What is going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells and Ryan Helm. It's another episode of the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. We're in full swing for baseball, literally, although some players seem to be out of action. And by some, I mean about half the league at this point. NFL draft coming up. We're ongoing with NBA fantasy basketball playoff time. Got some strategies for you a little bit later on to bring to the family table. Boys, what's going on? How you doing, Selzy? I'm doing pretty well. Um, we're recording this in the afternoon here on Wednesday this week, and uh, I put in the finishing touches on my prospect report and uh, already had to update it because one of the guys I was writing up to get called up, uh, two minutes after I finished writing him up, he got called up to the major league. So you have to check out the piece to see which guy I wrote about and got called up. Um, but yeah, it's always a good sign when you're writing about somebody who you think is on the verge of getting called up, and then they literally it literally happens while you're writing it up. Hallam, how you doing, man? What's been going on with you in your neck of the woods? Not too much, man. Getting close to the end of April, the first month of first month of baseball. It's getting uh, getting close already. So uh, nice. It's just uh, I'm just hanging. I'm relaxed today. I'm ready to do the show. Have a good time. Yeah, well, Ryan, I know that you're a big football guy, and your work is about to just get started in the next <laughs> week, so enjoy the final week, because you know how it works in our industry. That NFL draft happens, and all of a sudden, people's mindsets go away and sells. I'm sorry. I know that you probably don't like hearing this. I don't like hearing this as a big basketball guy and content provider, but the thoughts start to go in the direction of fantasy football. So we got to hold on to baseball while we can right now, and let's talk about some of the players who maybe you can buy low on. This is one of the best times to take advantage of your league. And that's because after, what, a few weeks of action, there are players in last place, and they're hating life. No one likes to be in last place, getting made fun of at work, getting made fun of on Zoom meetings, getting made fun of by family members. The younger brother who can't beat you anything is currently kicking your ass, and that really sucks. So at this time... Players often get desperate, make stupid trades, undervalue slow starters. So what I did, guys, was I put out a list of players, and you guys helped me come up with even more, of players maybe you can buy low on. And now these are not players that are drafted in the first eight picks, but maybe players that were more drafted in the early rounds that you can buy low on if people are all of a sudden going to get pissed and impatient and sell. So, guys, what do you think? about selling off your team. I know we talked about it last week, but if you're struggling and in last place at this point, are you all of a sudden looking to flip your team, non-injury related? I think it depends on who you're flipping and what you're getting. Like, I'm not fire sailing just to change things up, right? Like, in my home league team, or my my home league, I traded Brandon Nimmo for Andrew Heaney, right? I had outfield depth. Nimmo not really hitting all that well right now, but the upside is still there for Nimmo. People believe in him. Um, but I needed help with the pitching. My pitching staff has not done what I needed it to do. Mike Soroka has some bad news. AJ Puck is injured. Uh, I'm trying to protect Mackenzie Gore when he comes up. So I needed the pitching depth. I didn't just trade away Brandon Nimmo just to get some random arm, right? I needed a starter. I made the move. If you're if you're dropping guys that you drafted in the top, I'm going to say eight or nine rounds, you've got to get value back for them. You're not just, you're not the 1998 Marlins. You're not the 03 Marlins. You're not fire selling your team 
just to switch things up, right? That would be my strategy at this point. Some guys, if you know they're notorious slow starters, then you wait it out, right? There are guys that start slowly, and then by the end of the year, their numbers are going to be there. So it kind of dep- it's a case-by-case basis for me. Yeah, I can't agree, especially with the last thing you said about the people who are notorious slow starters, because there are some out there, uh, and that could be someone you can target, uh, you know, especially if you have a, a guy who's off to a slow start as well. Uh, the problem, there's two problems with, with, I guess we're not talking about fire selling, but, but doing some trading now is one, the guys we're, we're going to talk about are probably ones that have been successful a few years and chances are this isn't going to go all season. It's not like last year when it was 60 game sprint. Uh, you know, we're back to a six month marathon here. And the other thing is, I mean, if, especially if you're going to trade right now, you're trading for, for, you know, pennies on the dollar or quarters on the dollar. You're not going to get a good return uh, trading away. Some of these guys who are, are, are off to slow starts. So uh, you know, I, I often say when people are, especially when people are targeting hot players, and this, this is the opposite for, for this one, we're talking about trading slow players uh, is, you know, after every hot streak comes a cold streak. I mean, these guys can't hit 500 forever, 350 forever. Uh, This this is going to come to an end. So, you know, so are cold streaks. I mean, after, uh, you know, obviously some guys struggle all year, but, you know, most of the time it's, it's, there's a hot streak coming and you're going to trade away the guy at the bottom a week before he gets hot and and gets back to, you know, the numbers on the back of the baseball card. So uh, I'm still reluctant to make those kind of moves right now. Uh, I'd be more apt to try to tinker with the bottom of my my roster to try to make up uh, some ground there with some guys on the on the waiver wire rather than trading away guys I maybe drafted in rounds four through ten. Oh, you're a hundred percent right, and that's what I was going to say is that I like work at this time if it's not injury related. I like working small guys that when I'm looking at the waiver wire, and yeah, I'm taking all teams into consideration. And let's take a pathetic team like the Pittsburgh Pirates. Brian Reynolds is still very readily available. He's hitting third in that lineup consistently. Yeah, the Pirates suck. Yeah, they would call him Moran. But, you know, but, you know, but that there are opportunities on that team. I know they suck, but so what? If you could get the guy hitting third on the team, then why not get him? And he's, I'm looking at him on Yahoo right now. And he's, he's, t- he's literally picked up in less than 30% of leagues. And normally if it's under 40, I'm taking that player seriously like they're available. Yeah, we spoke about that last week, uh, Fancy, about uh, even the bad teams score runs. Uh, you know, just because the team doesn't, you know, might win 60 games this year doesn't mean that they're not going to score runs. So, you know, there are run producers even on terrible teams. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect – Brian Reynolds is a perfect example. Colin Moran is a great example. There's a few guys on – you know, teams get overlooked every single – how about the the Mariners? Anybody realize the Mariners are leading the ALS? Yeah. And they've been playing toe-to-toe with the Dodgers over the last two days? Um, You know, they're – Scoring a lot of runs, too. It's not like they're eking out games. Right. And there's a lot of guys still available from – the Mariners that people just kind of write off because nobody ever really watches the Mariners. They play a lot of late night games there on the West coast. Um, and you know, but there, there's still some key bats and a guy like Kendall Graveman is a great pitcher to go pick up right now because he is the high leverage guy in that bullpen. He's been the best bullpen arm they have and they're leaning on him. So yeah, those are the kind of moves 
that I would be making in my home league. There's not really waiver wire pickups, so trading is a key way to do it. And also, I'm trying to protect the prospect, so that's why I did that trade. Plus, I also have Kyle Lewis, or not Kyle Lewis, Kyle Tucker and Byron Buxton and um, Ian Happ and, like, three other dudes in the outfield that I could spare giving up Nimmo for. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about, before we get to some players, maybe some buy-low opportunities here, let's talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. for a minute, guys, because what in the last few episodes, it's been a complete different story. We were talking about how to value him in trades, thinking potentially done for the year. He's back, he came back. Now, the first night he came back, it was like, you know, he never was this guy even hurt. But then since then, it's been pretty disastrous. And at this point, guys, I'm sorry, but if he's still hurt and he's not playing as effectively and he's clearly still hurt, why are the Padres, who have a ton of good bats, why are the Padres rushing to insert this guy in the lineup? It really doesn't make any sense why they're rushing and not letting him just have a few more weeks resting. Yeah, I'll... I'll agree with you on that one. First of all, he's looked good for one at bat since he came back. Because in his first at bat when he came back, he hit the home run, right? He was one for one with a with a solo shot. Since then, he's gone 0 for 13. Okay, so he's one for 14 since coming back. And he sat out Tuesday night's game because he didn't want to face Corbin Burns, which I don't blame him. Corbin Burns is an NL Cy Young contender at this point. But I'll agree with you. I don't understand why they're why they're rushing him back. They signed uh, Ha Sung Kim from the Korean Baseball League, who played shortstop there. Guy is not like they'd have to you know fiddle with him to fit him in there. He's a shortstop. Uh, they have Jake Cronenworth, who played shortstop on Tuesday night, while Kim played third base because Machado didn't play. Um, they've got Profar, who can be a middle infielder. They've got a few different guys that can fill in. I don't. I mean, I guess it's because the Dodgers are off to a hot start and they want to go toe to toe with the Dodgers, like, and try to take the division from them. But if you wind up screwing up Tatis in the first year of a fourteen-year deal, just so you can go after your rivals, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Here's the only thing I'll say, and and I don't know that this is necessarily accurate but it from from what i read when he got hurt as a tet someone who has tetis uh what they were talking about originally was season-ending surgery uh so i don't know if this is an injury that's going to heal with rest or heal without a lot of rest so i i don't know if the the options are bring him back and try let him try to play through it or surgery ends the season so I, I don't so, know. Wait, hold on. Are you suggesting that he's playing because he can't do more harm to it by I'm playing? Suggest, I'm suggesting he's playing because the other option is probably miss the rest of the year, which I agree is stupid. When you sign him to such a humongous contract, you don't want him to potentially do something worse and try to play through it when you have 300 and whatever million dollars into him. Uh, and obviously he's got a long, hopefully productive career in front of him that you wouldn't want something to do. My only, my only thought is, is the only option ending the season, let's see how we can get through it. I, I think it's dumb, but I don't know if that's the reasoning. Can this team not win without him? Because to me, when looking at it from a team standpoint, the reality side of things, when I see this kind of act of desperation, in my opinion, to get him back in that lineup, especially with the team that, again, I love their lineup. And I actually, in the FSGA prop bets and futures draft, 
placed a wager in that on the Padres leading the Dodgers in the NL West by the All-Star break. So I believed in this lineup more than one player, but do maybe you guys think the Padres think that they have a very small window despite signing this guy to a monster deal that they're going to risk just putting him out there and he clearly hasn't looked the same since returning? No, there's mm-hmm. no way they have a small window. I mean, Darvish is under contract for a couple of years. Blake Snell they've got three more years with. They've got Musgrove for a couple of more years. Don't forget they've Clevenger got, coming back next year. Yeah, Clevenger comes back next year from injury. If Paddock can get right, there's Paddock. Mackenzie Gore, best pitching prospect in baseball, is likely to come up. Now, they did lose Adrian Morahone to Tommy John, but, okay, that's like your fifth starter. Nobody really cares, right? They've got the arguably the deepest bullpen in baseball. And even without Tatis... There's still a potent offense. I mean, Trent Grisham, Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, Cronenworth has been pretty good. Um, Tommy Pham, if he gets back, uh, you know, starts starts playing the way we know he can. That's a loaded lineup. So I don't, I do not understand what the Padres are doing with forcing. Maybe they want the energy and the ratings, but like but you they- can bring that from the bench. They definitely can't win the division without him. Can they make the playoffs in the National League? That's possible. But they're not going to overtake the Dodgers without him. I think they can. You think? I think they can. Ooh. I don't think the Dodgers are going to stay this hot all season. Well, Listen, yeah, the Dodgers, pace for the Dodgers lost Bellinger, right? Justin yep. Turner's been out of this world to start the year. I don't think Justin Turner stays that hot. Uh, I still have questions about the back half of the Dodgers rotation. Um, you know, are the Dodgers good? Yes, obviously. They're the defending world champs. But they took San Diego's absolute best shot last year in the playoffs, and it almost paid off. I think I think the Padres can, can win the division without Fernando Tatis. I am seeing right now on DraftKings Sportsbook that the, that the Padres are plus 400 sells interesting odds right there i would take those odds to win the division plus 400 they have in my opinion their their rotation is better than the dodgers rotation we'll we'll have to see if that's the case but hey if you're looking to place a wager right now you can go on dksportsbook.com guys let's get to some players here you you could maybe buy low on and sells let's start with the team that you brought up with the cubs so at this point what do you think of the Cubs' offense, the future of that offense, guys? And do you think that maybe there is an opportunity, or is this a team that we kind of just stay away from in the marketplace? I'm Listen, I have Ian Happ. I thought Ian Happ was going to be a nice power get. Knowing full well he's probably only going to hit 250, that's not anywhere close to what he's hitting right now. I think it's like in the 160 range as their leadoff hitter, which isn't a good sign. I don't want any parts of this Cubs' offense. I don't want any parts of it. Listen, they struggled in 2019 and backed their way into the playoffs, right? That offense was not all that great in the second half of 2019. Then comes 2020. Yes, it's a weird year. We get it. But the entire offense sucked in 2020 and backed their way into the playoffs. Now, it's a second season, part of a second season of them absolutely just not being able to hit baseballs. They can't hit. They don't make good contact. They don't know how to situationally hit. And let's face it, the Cubs are going to trade Chris Bryant 
They're going to trade Wilson Contreras. They're likely going to trade Anthony Rizzo because they need to restock that farm system. That farm system has nothing in it. And that pitching staff is atrocious. So if they're going to win, they're going to have to hit, which they can't do. I don't want any parts of the Cubs offense right now. I'm not giving up on Hap just yet. Uh, I do have one dynasty league where I have Chris Bryant, and I'm not unloading him. Uh, but the Cubs' best days are behind them for a while, I think. Uh, like like Matt said, they're probably going to unload a, a bunch of pieces. But the, the bats that they had that were you know making them successful, you know Rizzo early in his career, Bryant earlier in his career, even Contreras early in his career, they, they've all just kind of taken a step back. Baez uh, is striking out at over yeah. 30%. I is, uh, yeah. That 2018 uh, breakout is a long ways away from now. The only the good thing you can say about the Cubs is their home ballpark is pretty batter-friendly, uh, and there's not a lot of great pitching in the division. they got Jack Flaherty in St. Louis. You've got the two top guys in Milwaukee. Pittsburgh doesn't have any pitchers that really uh, uh, scare you. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, Castillo's been terrible this season. Sonny Gray, we'll see. Their ballpark is very hitter-friendly. Uh, so they play in a lot of good situations uh, to think that they're going to improve from where they are now. Uh, you know, I don't know that any of them, no one's going to go to 90, 30 and 100 here, uh, but I feel like they've got to get better than where they are right now. Guys, let me bring up some players here and I'll just kind of group some players together before we get to the idiot of the week. First time in a while that we're going to be doing the idiot of the week, but I think it's good time to bring it back. Ozzie Albies hitting at 148 right now. Marcelo Zuna hitting under 220. You've got other guys like Eugenio Suarez and Gleyber Torres, too, also not hitting too well right now. Of the four guys that I've just mentioned there, do any of them pique your interest as maybe we could get a nice discount on them? Do you think that they'll turn it around soon enough? I think the two guys that interest me most out of those two would be Marcelo Ozuna and Eugenio Suarez. One, Ozuna, we saw what he did for Atlanta last year. We've seen the power that he has. Um, and, you know, the 219, yeah, it's a slow start. They also just lost Acuna for an undetermined amount of time. Theoretically, it's only like a week or so. Um, but Ozuna's also a notorious slow starter, right? Like, this isn't really anything new. He did it in Miami. He did it with Hallam's Cardinals, um, and then by the end of the year, the numbers are all there. Eugenio Suarez is busy learning a new defensive position in the majors, right? Yes, he came up as a shortstop and then moved to third base, but switching back to shortstop, it's going to take him a little bit of time to reacclimate. This guy who hit 40-something home runs a couple of years ago plays in that great ballpark Hallam just mentioned in the NL Central. Um, so those two guys intrigue me most. Albies, I was off of him to start the year because if he's hitting fifth, the steals go away. Uh, and he's, pitchers are figuring out he can't hit breaking stuff, so they're throwing that more to, to him and he's not hitting. Um, and Glaber Torres, the Yankees' offense is just terrible right now. If they're not hitting home runs, they're not hitting. And if Glaber Torres could play 162 games against Baltimore, I'd want him. But that doesn't happen. So um, those Ozuna and Suarez are the two guys I want there. What do you think, Hal? I mean, I'm pretty interested in all of them, to be honest. Uh, Torres is starting to worry me a little bit. I've been a, I don't want to say a fan because I dislike the Yankees so much, but <laughs> I see him as a valuable fantasy asset. I mean, he's 24. 
four years old still. He a, you know, he was bad last year, but 2019 was very good. I can't believe he just forgot to hit a baseball. I think it's just, I don't know, but the confidence Same thing, thing happened to Gary Sanchez. Yeah, uh, you know, it's coming. I just think it's coming. I don't know. You know, I, I, I did the pitching coach today. I don't know if it's going out today. And I picked, you know, Ian Anderson going against him because the, the offense has been so bad. But it, it has to come. I just can't imagine that Torres was so good and is now so bad. Uh, just, I mean, in his his the stock dropped even before drafts. I was surprised that not really. I guess I was a little surprised at how late he went. Uh, you know, in drafts coming up this year, Albie's. Yes, he's been moved down to fifth right now. It's April twenty first. I don't think he's going to hit fifth all season long. Uh, let him get a little hot. I think they'll put him back up in the lineup. Plus, second base is just so crappy. Uh, I, I think he's going to turn around and be okay. And Matt pretty much covered the other two guys pretty well. I don't think I have anything to add to them. So I, I think those are all four pretty good targets as far as I'm concerned. We'll continue talking about it as well. And like I said before, I know that a lot of the industry shifts to football, but we'll still do our part to make sure all you fantasy baseball players out there, especially those who haven't played a long season and not like last year getting back into the swing of things can be rough but we've got you covered you're part of the family you're part of family times here guys let's get to the idiot of the week here because i'll start things off because i'm getting frustrated i'm getting pissed off i defend the nba more than most and the whole resting games i applauded the league for doing something about it and finding what the problem is Everyone makes too much money, and they'll just eat the fines, and these stupid teams are resting their players. The Toronto Raptors, do they want to go to the lottery? Do they want to compete? I can't tell anymore. They bench half their team every other night. Then they go on a three-game winning streak. And, guys, this is even more frustrating because 10 teams per conference technically make the playoffs. Seventh seed through 10 seeds, it's a play-in tournament. So because of that, it adds more meaning. You don't really know who's really tanking and who's not. Regardless, these players getting ruled out an hour before is asinine. And there are teams like the Detroit Pistons, who are bottom feeders, who are staggering their players they're resting. Okay, maybe two guys out. You put Mason Plumlee, someone else, and then you put Jeremy Grant out. It's still stupid. But the Raptors ruling out their entire team, it's so blatantly obvious that they want to try to get dressed. They are scared S-less because they're going to lose Kyle Lowry somehow. They need to replace him. But then all of a sudden, they're winning games. What do they want to do, guys? Where does it end? I write freaking content that I have to continue to update over and over and over again because of this stupid, idiotic Canadian team that's currently in Florida. <laughs> you would think that with the um, emergence of the gambling market that it would force the NBA to make some sort of rule that you have to put out your lineup X amount of minutes before beforehand. We get it if a guy gets injured or whatever in warm-ups or all of a sudden comes down with, you know, the burger flu. But, like, you got to put out lineups sooner than five minutes beforehand. And they right? do. They do. It's, it's up to, like, a half an hour now. But that's not enough time. Because here's the problem, Cells, and if you're just watching the games, it's great. But even if you're going to the games too, it's still you're mm. expecting to go to the game and you're on your way to the game and you find out that the starters have all been benched. That's pretty big waste right there. Yep. That does you know? suck. That does suck. That does well, suck. Cells, who's your idiot of the week? My idiot of the week for the entire season uh, previously and for the rest of the baseball season is going to be Tony La Russa. Um, hey, and, and the White guy. Sox, 
and, and the White Sox by proxy. Uh, Larusa has no freaking clue what he's doing anymore. Guy literally has no idea how to manage a baseball team at this point. Um, he's not playing Andrew Vaughn. He decided to play Billy Hamilton and Nick Williams over him to the point where the the White Sox GM had to literally release Nick Williams to keep Larusa from playing him, a la. Uh, Art Howe refusing to play Carlos Pena in the Moneyball era of the A's, and they traded Carlos Pena so that he literally couldn't put him at first base, right? Um, Andrew Vaughn is 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 a stud rookie. You put him on the team for a reason, and then Larusa comes out and says, "Well, he has a role just like everybody else on the team, but he's not part of the core yet." How do you know he couldn't be part? But you're playing your mean Mercedes, a guy who literally had never had a major league at bat until you decided to put him at DH, and now the world knows your mean Mercedes. And speaking of Mercedes, uh, on Monday, when you pitched uh, Lucas Giolito in the morning game, a known non-morning person, you're down by six, and you put in your mean Mercedes in the sixth inning <laughs> of a game to pitch? And then you follow that up with Denny Mendick on the mound. What are we doing, Larusa? Just go. He drunk. always kind of. He always kind of did weird stuff like that. Though. Go get drunk in Florida. <laughs> get arrested for DUIs and end this, this shenanigans. Also, White Sox, why did you fire the manager that brought you to the playoffs last year to replace him with a septuagenarian who literally hadn't managed in ten years? <laughs> Like, are we kidding with this? The guy made the playoffs with a roster you constructed to make the playoffs, and then you fired him to replace him with Larusa, who's now has no idea how to manage a bullpen, has no idea how to manage a pitching rotation, has no idea how to put together a lineup. It's a miracle you're anywhere close to competing in the AL Central at this point. Larusa is a flipping moron. Should yeah. not be managing baseball anymore. Yeah, these older guys. It's not everyone could be Jack McKeon, could be a zillion years old and then win a title. It's not, just, it's not just it's not just it's not just Larusa though, because I have a I have a gripe against Davey Martinez too, who took Patrick Corbin out after seventy six pitches last night of shutout baseball after getting through the heart of the Cardinals order to put in Tanner Rainey, who has not been good in two weeks, and Rainey within seven pitches gave up the lead. Um <laughs> and, and Corbin, Corbin is like, what did I do wrong here? You're trying to boost the guy's confidence after getting shelled for his first two starts of the year. Go 76 pitches of shutout baseball against a team who hung 10 runs on Joe Ross the night before. And you take him out of the game in favor of a guy who can't get anybody out. Like what? And stop batting Victor Robles eighth. Bat him ninth, please. Yeah. Please. Because now you're just going, well, the guy's not getting anything to hit. Well, of course not. He's he's hitting in front of the pitcher. If I'm going to face a guy hitting in front of the pitcher, I'm going to avoid Robles and go for the pitcher. Hit him ninth. Then he's got protection from Trey Turner and theoretically Soto when he gets back and whatnot. These managers are, are, are just ridiculously stupid at this point. Everyone's stupid. But Ryan Hallam's not, though. Ryan, who's your idiot of the week? And then we'll go <sighs> running a little short on time. You'll do your family table after that. All right, my idiot of the week is probably not going to be too happy because she's sitting right here next to me. That's going to be my dog, Molly. 
what? She is the dumbest ass. Like, we live on a dead-end road, and there's just, like, this window where she can look out in the road where basically no cars go by. But if anything goes down past the road, a car, a person, a person walking, she has to bark her head off like a friggin' idiot. And not only is it just this really loud bark, sometimes it's this, like, she just breathes hard out of her mouth. Like, that's scaring anyone. Or the person can hear it. So, uh, she also takes more time to decide where to go to the bathroom than most kids pick where they're going to college. So she's not on my good side right now. So my idiot of the week is Molly. I, my dog gets distracted all the time too. Now she's an 11 month year old puppy and I'm hoping that that ends at some point, but it, uh, she's seven. It doesn't. Oh, thanks a lot. Now I feel great. <laughs> all right. How what's your family table? What are you bringing besides right. a bunch of negativity to me owning a dog? I'm going to more negativity and it's not sports related again is did everyone forget how to drive? Was it just because we were all inside for so long? Like what has happened? Is it all, everybody's coming to, I always tell my kids, I'm like, I wish my car was made a nerf so I could just run into people and other cars to be like, Hey ass, maybe you shouldn't have done that. And that's my way of letting them know is to smash my car into their car. But since my car is not made out of nerf, I can't, but I've seen more horrible driving in the past couple of weeks. It's driving me crazy. And there's nowhere to go around it because I'm not going to smash into another car. But I wish I could. So You know what they Nerf say, Raquel? It's Nerf for nothing. There you go. <laughs> All right, Sills, what are you bringing to the table? Um, It's hard to top what Hallam just emitted from his mouth there, um, both with the Idiot of the Week and, and the family table. Um, but I want to turn it to the, fam- the, the fantasy industry here. Um, can we please treat women correctly? Just in general, in life, in fantasy, in sports, in just everywhere. If you wouldn't say something to your mother or, or your sister or a niece or an aunt, don't say it to another woman that you don't know. Like there was more screenshots from members, from male members of the fantasy football community inviting females onto their podcast as guests and a segment had them doing yeah not a not an appropriate thing right we don't need to go into that but no you're right like just this is not the first time this has happened in the last couple of years like we all say we want more women in sports and we do because they bring valuable insights and different points of views and they're just as capable about writing about it as as men are. But then we turn around and treat them like crap. Can we please stop? Like, how hard is this? It shouldn't be that hard. It, it really shouldn't. You know, it's at the end of the day, we're all people. One of the basic foundations that you learn growing up is you treat others how you want to be treated. And that's yeah. everybody. No one person is more important than the other. We're all here we're all sharing this world. And with that, you're right, Cells, with some of the things that we've seen, it, it just shows that people need to get a grip, get their heads out of their ass, get out of whatever century that they're in, and know that at this time, you work hard, you'll get your success. That is how it works, no matter who you are. Just saying. Let me go and talk about what I'm bringing to the family table. And that, once again, I am going to bring the awareness factor of when people ask questions and everything. Listen, we love answering your questions and everything like that. And you can always tweet at us and everything. 
But you got to also remember that we're also getting hit up by a lot of people. So if you ask us about eight questions about your team, pretty much take my entire team. Please go to the Fantasy Alarm chat for doing that. Twitter is more of a, hey, ask a question or two quickly. That's fine because the explanation, you're probably not going to learn from the explanation on Twitter. And I'm not going to write six Twitter messages that go two of six, three of six, four of six. I think it's stupid. And I don't like that. And I don't like the way it looks anyway. It's too much on anyone's timeline. So if you have in-depth questions, then you're going to go to fantasyalarm.com. You're going to go to the chat. But on Twitter and everything, if you ask a question and then five more right after that, just remember if it needs a longer explanation, that is what the website is for. And guys, you can call me an idiot or you can agree with me, but that's kind of where I stand on comprehensive questions, especially when you're addressing nine players and nine questions. I'm sorry. I'll stop sending you nine questions. No, 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 no. no. See? I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Cells, what do you think? I'm right there with you. The long form questions don't don't hit me up on the, a. It can get lost in the shuffle, like with how it's threaded, right. and just you know, I'll answer one question, right? Then I, send another. Don't right, go. Exactly. I have no problem if someone has a comprehension. Hey, can you cells and Hallam cover X topic on family times? Hell right. yeah, we'll cover the topic. Can you cover these eight players? They're all struggling. No one's hurt. I don't know what to do with them. How do you value them? Hell yeah. Pick up the pen and start writing. Let's go. Or typing, whatever it is these days. So that's all we're saying. He's Matt Sells, Ryan Helm, Justin Fensterman. Family times treat everyone equally because that is how to dominate because there isn't any other option. We'll all win.